It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, John 15 is where we're going to be. So we're starting a brand new series, uh, and this one is called Life in the Word, uh, which I'm actually really excited about. we're trying to, and I'll talk more about this in a second, but looking at this idea of what does it mean for our lives to be centered in the Word? Uh, not just Scripture in the sense of the Word, but the Word Himself, uh, meaning Jesus. So what I just thought what I'd do just as this introductory session is I just want to give an overview and a reminder of just the fact that our lives are in Christ. And uh, just kind of come at it from maybe a different, different angle. Uh, there's this great statement. I love this statement in Colossians. And it's this idea that Christ doesn't merely give us life, Christ is our life. Uh, it's this concept, I think, at least in my life, that I keep pondering over and over, that when you look at the reality of the gospel, that salvation brings life, and we understand that, and that's phenomenal. But even more importantly, do you realize that the life that you and I receive in salvation is not like just some bonus abstract thing. The life that we receive is the person who gives us life. That the one who gives life is the life. Jesus is our life, as John 14, verse 6 says. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But, but look at these statements in, in light of the fact that we have been saved and Christ is our life. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, what Paul is saying is this is not about his life, that he has given up his life to receive an even greater life, which is the life of Christ. Uh, Here's the passage in Colossians. I I love what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4. He says, for you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested, then you will also be manifested with him in glory. Do Do you hear what Paul is saying? Christ himself is our life, that our lives are hidden him, but he is the fullness of our lives. Or as 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, I think I'm just reading all my favorite passages in scripture, by the way, tonight. It's just like one after another of my favorites. Uh, but 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, by this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Do you realize that your life as a Christian is not merely meant to be lived for God? Your life as a Christian is meant to be lived through God. That, that he is the resource. He is the supply. He is the passion. He, he, he is the resource and the wisdom that we need to live this life. So this isn't like God's over there and I, I'm over here and I'm trying to live my life for God. Whoo, isn't he lucky? The reality of the Christian life is that the outside God who's always been over there in the Old Testament has now come to indwell the life of the believer because of the cross. We now get to live in the very life and be indwelt by the life of Christ. And how do we live? We live by his life. We live through his life, as John tells us. Isn't that incredible? I may have to start telling you guys to tell your faces. I mean... We usually have to just tell our students. It's like, come on, guys, this is good stuff. I'm convinced, just as I've been pondering this afresh, that if we actually understood this concept, do you realize that this would change everything? Because I would not, I I wouldn't face temptation the same way if I actually was living through his life. 
I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't handle family situations or finances. I, I wouldn't handle the, the, the troubles of culture or the chaos that's surrounding us if I actually began to realize that I'm not responding merely out of myself and out of my wisdom, out of my resource. I actually get to respond out of his life and his wisdom and his resource. See, wouldn't it be neat to face temptation and trials, not through my gritted teeth and my gumption and my, my ability? I mean, wouldn't it just be phenomenal to actually live and face temptation out of his resource, leaning upon his arm and his strength and and the life that I'm living is no longer this life known as Nathan. The life that I'm living is actually his life. Or maybe better stated, it's his life being lived in and through me. And I'm fully participating, but I'm hanging on for dear life. Why? Because I'm living by his life. Uh, Paul makes this really clear, this idea that you are not your own uh, in, uh, in, in second, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to what Paul says. And you know this verse really well, uh, but listen to this afresh in light of this just reality. He says in verse 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Paul says, don't, don't you recognize that you are now indwelt by his life? That you are a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And you are no longer your own. That your life you cannot claim. That the moment that you became a Christian, you gave up the right and the security of claiming your own life. And it has been forfeited so that you can gain his life. And by the way, the comparison of my life versus his life and the value, uh, you're getting the far better end of the deal to give up your life to embrace his life. Did you realize that, that when you were crucified in Christ Jesus and you're now experiencing the reality of his life, that radically changes everything? So I want to talk about just two quick ideas, just to kind of set the stage. And it's this idea of abiding and abounding in Christ. Uh, the first one is found in John 15. So if you have John 15, I just want to read the first five verses. Uh, this is what John says. Uh, Jesus is speaking in the upper room and John records this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he cleans it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Ah, uh, the word abide, I love this word. Uh, the Greek word is the, is the word minnow. And the Greek idea of minnow for abide has this idea of to like to abide, to remain, to stay in place, to sink down into, to hold tight to. Uh, so if you want a good picture of this, I, I think of like a lazy boy recliner, right? If, if, you, if you have one of those big poofy, you know, armchairs or, or couches or, you know, one of those things, you, you sit in the lazy boy and the thing just, just envelops you. And what do you do? You just stay there. That's this idea. Well, what effort do I have? There is no effort. Just, just stay in the seat. Well, what am I supposed to do? Don't get up. Now, that being said, there's also a flip side to this word, right? Because that idea is here. The other idea is, uh, is, is holding on to something, right? If, if you were going to go up on a roller coaster 
and suddenly as you're going chick, 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 right up the thing, and suddenly your harness pops open. I, if I was in that position, one, I'd immediately start fasting and praying. <laughs> but uh, I would be holding on to the contraption. Well, how hard would I hold on to it? For dear life. Right? That's, that idea is in here too. So what's interesting about the word minnow is that there's this idea of to sink down into, to rest, to remain, to, to just, just to just stay in the lazy boy recliner idea. But the other side of that is you better hold on to this thing. And so what, what is a branch doing to a vine? It's clinging. It's holding tight to. It's remaining. In fact, and I have it here, my favorite definition is refusing to depart. Do you know what it means to abide in Christ? It means to refuse to depart from the one that is life. So, so here's, this, right, here's this vine, and you have this little branch sticking out of the vine. The only way the branch is ever going to bear fruit, uh, the, the only way that the branch is ever going to experience life is when it remains, sinks down into, clings, refuses to depart from the life sap of that vine. And if all it would do is just cling to that vine, do you realize that the life of the vine would come up through the vine into the branch and it would produce fruit? And as you get into the passage, what's amazing is that the job description of the branch is not to produce fruit. The job description of the branch is to abide and it will produce fruit. In other words, fruit is guaranteed as long as you are resting, remaining, holding tight to, refusing to depart from the life source. And Jesus says, oh, that's you and me. That, that here I am, and what should you be doing with me? Oh, resting in him. Just, just relax in Jesus. But then cling to, refuse to leave the life source of Christ himself. Refuse to depart from him. Uh, here's how one lexicon said it. Uh, it's a Greek dictionary. They describe minnow or abiding as an inward, enduring, personal communion. Isn't that beautiful? An inward enduring personal communion. Do you know what you should have with Jesus all the time? An inward, enduring personal communion where you are resting, remaining, holding tight, clinging to, refusing to depart, having communion with Jesus. Boy, if you live like that, I think we'd have to call ourselves Christians, wouldn't we? Because that is the reality of the Christian life. Christianity is not doing things for God. Wow, isn't he lucky? Christianity is, hey, would I respond to his life in me? And out of that response, would I allow him to begin to do things in and through me? And, and yes, I'm doing things. Yes, there are good works. Yes, all this stuff's happening. But I'm not doing it out of my own wisdom, out of my own resource, out of my own intellect, out of my own whatever. I'm doing it through his life. And I'm resting and depending, surrendering, abiding in him. So you only have two options in the passage then. One option is that you live out of your own life and out of your own resource. And Jesus says that only produces death. Because the moment a branch is separated from the vine, do you realize it cannot produce life? It is really removed from the very life source, which means no matter how much gumption, no matter how much work and gritting its teeth, it's trying to do to produce fruit. It'll never produce fruit. It'll only ever produce death. So your other option then is, well, what if you would live out of and from Christ's life and his resource? Do you realize that would mean that you would have true life and fruitfulness? That what Christ is looking for is not productivity. He's looking for fruit. And I've been really wrestling with this because, you know, I've taken all the productivity classes and 
you know, I've looked at the leadership business stuff and it's all about productivity and managing your time. And I've been convicted lately that what God is interested in is not productivity and getting more done, which is really strange in our culture. I'm wrestling through this. What Christ wants is not more productivity. What he wants is more fruitfulness, more faithfulness and more fruitfulness. Just something to ponder, I guess. Uh, So again, listen, listen to this. Jesus says in verse four and five, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So do you realize that what it means to have life in the word, life in Christ himself, you've got to abide in this thing. Abide in him. But I also want to look really quickly at this idea of abounding. Uh, the word abound means plentiful, uh, means abundant. And I really love that idea, especially in light of John 10.10. 10. Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And not just any kind of life. Jesus says, I have come that you might have abundant life. And that word abundant, when you look at it, so phenomenal. Uh, the word means, here's, here's some probable or possible translations. So the life that Jesus brings can mean exceeding, more than added, or more than necessary, super added, supremely, abundantly, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, more remarkable, more excellent, preeminent, or advantage. That is quite the life. That when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and and, and life abundant, and by the way, the word for life isn't just biology life, isn't just the fact that you're breathing life right? It, the word that he uses, zoe, which is the eternal life stuff. It's the reality of the Christian life. Jesus says, I am the fullness of this. And when I've come, I've not come to give you a little droplet of life. I've come to give you so much more than you'd ever need or ever expect. It's abundant. So as we head into this little series about living by the word or living in the word, what I want us to ponder is the fact that we are to live in and, and abiding in and abounding in the very life of Christ. What does it look like for us to abide and abound in him? So I want to read these couple passages again. And I just read them, but I just want us to hear them afresh. This idea of living by the life of Christ. Colossians 3 again says this. For you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is manifested, then you will also be manifested with him in glory. Christ is our life. Or 1 John 4, 9 again says this, By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Do you realize that the moment I begin to live through him, not just for him, but through him, do you realize that everything that I need for life and godliness is supplied? As 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, that I begin to share in his divine nature. And because I'm sharing in his life, I have everything I need for life and godliness. Or this is the verse I've been pondering the last, I don't know, month or so. I love, I've been loving this verse. Uh, and I keep reading this, so this is going to sound old hat. But listen to this, 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able to make every grace abound to you so that in everything, at every time, having every sufficiency, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Isn't that a phenomenal passage? Especially when you listen to the word every, 
right? Let me, I'll just read it again. God is able to make every grace abound to you so that in everything, at every time, having every sufficiency, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Do you realize that with what he has given you, you have far more than you need to live this life out well, that you can actually walk in triumph and victory and hope and freedom and peace. Why? Because you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything at all times for, with all sufficiency for everything that he's called you to do. So what are you lacking? Nothing. When I live in him, which is why as Christians, the twofold reality of Christianity is that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. It's that life principle that I am not living my life for God. I'm allowing him as I abide in him to live his life in and through me. I am living by his life, which is the very heart of Christianity, which is amazing to me. So as we look at this series then called Life in the Word, I want to focus on two things. So over the next 11 studies that we're going to be going through this series, I want to look at two things. I want to look at life in the word in the sense of the living word, meaning Jesus. What does it mean for us to live, abide, and abound in the life of Christ? But then on the flip side of that, I want to talk about living in light of the written word. What does it mean to live in the written word and abide in his word, scripture? And what does it mean to delight ourselves and study and, and experience the reality that all, Christ, all that Christ has for us in his written word? So I want to talk about Christianity as a whole and the reality of life and what does it mean to abide and abound. I want, I want to talk about how to study the word, at least in a very brief, simple sense. But what, is, what does it mean just to delight ourselves in him and his word and just be obsessed with Jesus? Or if you want the hand motion, there it is. What does it look like to do this? To have that sweet intimacy with Jesus all the time. And I just want to end with one, one verse. Uh, in Romans eleven thirty six, 36, uh, l- listen to what Paul says as he wraps up this grand doxology. He's, he's talking about the reality of Christ. And, and right before he gets into the, some practical things in Romans, he, he finishes with this. He says, for from him and through him and to him, speaking of Jesus, are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. And I've said this before, but wouldn't it be amazing if this verse summarized your life? That your life was from him, through him, to him for his glory? And what if your marriage, if you're married, or your future marriage, was a from him, through him, to him marriage? And what would it look like if you're raising kids that your family life was a from him, through him, to him for his glory? And what if your job or your schooling was a from him, through him, to him for his glory? And what if your free time and, and all your hobbies was a from him, through him, to him for his glory stuff? Like, like, what would it look like if we as a church were a from him, through him, to him for his glory church? That, that all that was happening in our lives and all that was happening here, what would it look like if it was from him? Not just for him, but from, through his life and, and unto his glory, and I've said this before, but I think if you want to summarize the reality of the gospel or just the entirety of scripture, I think this verse could summarize it well. That this is all from him, through him, to him, for his glory. So can I encourage us? What, it look, what does it look like for us to live in the word? The person and, and, and scripture. What, what does it mean to abide and abound in the reality of Christ and his word? And I don't know about you, but we're in some weird days. And if I just examine my own life, 
I don't know if I could say, yes, I'm abiding and abounding in the fullness that Christ has available. It's not that I don't want it. It's just, you know, you get busy and things, you get distracted. And What about you? Are you abiding and abounding in the fullness of who Christ is in your life? My guess is we can all like come to another level of what does it mean to abide, to rest, to remain, to cling to, refuse to depart, to have an inward, enduring personal communion with Jesus, that, that we can all abound more, have a greater fruitfulness, a greater faithfulness, a greater plenty, an abundance of the life that he has available. So why don't we just pray for that as we just close and just ask that the Lord would do a mighty work in our lives in these days. So pray with me. Lord, we, we desperately need you. Oh, Lord, I love the fact that I'm not to grip my teeth and try to pull off something outside of you because a branch that's trying to produce fruit outside the vine it only produces death. In fact, it's only good for the burn pile. Lord, the reality of what you're wanting to do in and through me is that you want to supply the life. You want to supply all that I need for life and godliness. You want to be the joy. You want to be the peace. You want to be the wisdom. You want to be the resource that I live by. Lord, could it be that what I desperately need is Christ who is my life? That you're not just a part of my life. You're the totality. You're the foundation. You're the focus. You're the delight. You're the, the consumption of my life. And Lord, I just want to say I desperately need you. That I want to abide and abound in the fullest, full expression of your life. That Christianity is not just me adding, a, adding you to my life, not just showing up to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. This isn't just about a sprinkle of you, but living by your life. And Lord, is it possible that, that my life and my free time and my focus and my church could all be a from him, through him, to him for his glory? So Lord, could you do that in my life where my focus, my delight, my the reality, the, the summation of who I am is from you, through you, and to you for your glory alone. So Lord, we just say that we need you and we love you. In your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.